0: Hello and welcome to Unstuffing Our Story with me, Catrice Horsley. In today's episode I'm interviewing the artist Raymond Watson who says that his life experience has probably been his most valuable news and training in the arts. He was born in Belfast and has become a citizen of everywhere. In our discussion explore how arts are incredibly useful in helping bring people together and yet they're one of the things that the government decides to stop funding in times of crisis which is when we need them most but enough of me rambling on let's let's listen to Raymond start to unstuff his story Welcome, Ramey or Raymond. How would you like me to call you?
1: Uh, call me Ramey. That's what my friends call me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great name, Ramey. Yeah. And um, I usually start off by just inviting the guests to tell their story. What kind of a story was it? Was it a quest? Was it a, a rags to Richie story? You know, what kind of a, a story would you say you've lived? Apart from a very know. interesting and complex one.
1: It's definitely rags to rags. But um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, suppose I'll just I'll start a wee chronological order then. I was mm. born in Belfast some years ago. <laughs> and um during the, the when the trouble started in Belfast we had to leave and we headed off down south. Uh, When I say down south, for anybody who's not from here, that means over the border into the Republic of Ireland, from Northern Ireland. And um, about a year later, this is 72, 73, about a year later, we moved back north again um, into a town, a border town called Newry. And we lived there for quite a while. Then um, in about September, October 78 um i was uh lifted by british soldiers and put into both crumlin road in belfast and then later into the H blocks Maze prison in uh, just outside belfast i was released from there in 85 and a year after my release i headed up and went to university um, and did a BA Honours in Media Studies and then followed that up with a Master of Philosophy in Media Studies. And then um, after university, I went to Galway for a while. And after Galway, mm-hmm. I moved back to Belfast um, and I taught for a while as a Media Studies lecturer. Then I worked as a journalist in a in a publishing company. Um, I was their group editor for a number of years, and then I packed my job in, was all the <clears> while I was doing all of this, um, I had a hobby, mm-hmm. which I loved to do, and it was um, mostly at that time making sculptures, um, mm-hmm. starting off with wood sculptures and then moving later to make bronze, and sculptures from almost anything else I could get my hands on mm. and uh, so I packed the job in and started to work as a full-time artist and mm. six months or more later I thought to myself what a silly thing to do because now I've no <laughs> money. Um, so but you know within a year or two at high you know i was making work and having exhibitions and within a year or two i had turned it all around and i still wasn't making the regular income i made before mm. um but i was uh, my kind of the artwork that i was making um mm. grew and expanded um, and i started to paint more i started to use other techniques started to do a lot of art in the community, Mm, large mm. community projects and some, you know, some smaller, but with all types of different groups. Um, Most of the community art was about bringing the divided communities in the north of Ireland together in some way. Mm. And, um, you know, the artwork I was making personally, the gallery-based artwork, continued to expand until I was making um you know everything. I was doing international residencies and I went to India for example and made a large um sculpture over there um which was made with street kids and orphans um which was made out of bamboo, rice straw and mud and paint. <laughs> you know so yeah. Yeah and yeah. I started to make you know what would be seen as now i suppose as like traditional installation pieces you know installation yeah. used to be like very outsider almost but now it's like yeah. um installation art is very often seen as the cutting edge of art so i was making audio visual installation pieces and uh the last thing that I, you know, did in this kind of area was some, th- I've made uh, three um, soundscape um, artworks. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and
0: tell us more about those, because I've seen a little bit about that. And I know you've got some albums of this mm-hmm. soundscapes that are yeah. out. Yeah. And they're very reflective of a certain time, and a certain place from what I understand. So just tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, the, uh, out of the three soundscapes, two of them are made using keys from Crumlin Road Prison in Belfast, the, the prison that I was held in for about 20 months. Um, and the, That was the first prison while on remand. Um, mm. The other one is a soundscape made by compiling sounds from uh, Palestine and Israel, but mm. I, I, I go first of all to the uh, the album, the vinyl album, which I think you're referring to. Mm. So the first soundscape there, um, it's a it's uh, like a dramatic atmosphere atmospheric piece of work that uses mainly the keys from Crumlin Road Prison. I have five hundred mm. of those keys. Um, everything from the British Army front gate keys to the cell keys, and you know, emergency locker keys. Um, oh. they all had their um kind of aluminium labels attached, which state yeah. which state where those keys are from. Um, mm. so if when I was to say, I was trying to figure out how to use them in artwork, and I was recording them, and as I picked up each set of keys, uh, and <laughs> I heard the sound. And I started to realise actually the sound was more important than writing down what each each identification tag said. So I um, then started with the keys and uh, a metal food tray that I also got my hands on from Crumlin Road Prison. And a grappling hook, which is a a long, metre long hook with three points on it, which would have been used to throw over the wall and then climb up on a rope. So I made sounds with those instruments or those uh, items, uh, mm. and then had various themes kind of in my head as to what I wanted to address, and then went to a sound studio, and uh, you know, um, yeah, uploaded them and mixed them, and ended Oy. up with a, a two forty minute piece or two twenty minute pieces, forty minutes in all, <laughs> uh-huh. and it's called Unlocking. Yard side, garden side, and if anybody oh, yeah. wants it, you'll get it on my website, which is thehandsofhistory.com. If you mm, I've that. put
0: a link for that, yeah. On well, the, on, yeah, it, there's a link there, yeah. Um, if you to have a the link, website.
1: stick it yeah. up. And people, yeah. if they really want, they'll find it really interesting to go on to my oh. shop there and they can buy it there, and I'll post it out to them the next day. But-
0: You know, sometimes we have that phrase, if only the walls could talk, Mm -hmm. or if only the stones on the road could talk. And quite often in stories, in traditional stories, there's this idea of inanimate objects speaking or carrying the stories of what's happened before. Mm -hmm. And I just love this idea that you are literally making the keys talk, because even though there's no words with music, we carry the emotional waves and emotional sea that often words are laid upon mm-hmm. so I am just blown away by the fact that you started with the keys and then ended up with a, a piece of music a, a, an album with music I love that I love it so much Raimi mm-hmm. and I'm thinking you know you talked about your life um and Then you said, you know, all the way along, alongside you have this hobby and it turned into sculpture and then art. And indeed, my husband and I have a piece of your artwork on our wall. it
1: would be worth Um, loads of money when I die. Go on ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep a hold of it.
1: But I'm going (laughs) to live a long time. Go on ahead.
0: (laughs) What, What did and what does your artwork provide you with? Well, what does it give you?
1: Do you know, that's a bit of a hard question to answer, you know, but I think the first thing that it gives me is um, happiness. You know, mm. um, when, I, when I'm not making art, when I'm not working on something, you know, I start to get a bit twitchy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's only when I'm actually engaged in the process of making stuff to become sort of completely happy inside, you know, and uh, working towards the end of it is um, just such a satisfying thing. That's probably the only thing it gives me. So yeah. So when you
0: when you talk about that that happiness mm-hmm. and that you get a bit edgy, a bit twitchy yeah. when you're not doing it, are you are you one of those people who, when they're doing their work or creating their art, you are totally focused? And then you don't get distracted by other stuff around you. Yeah,
1: that's I don't like to, uh, you know, I don't like to mix two or three things at once unless or right. unless I'm mixing artwork because mm. um, I won't start a piece of artwork until I know I have. Well, I've got several days free mm-hmm. because, mm. um, you know, once I start, I tend to forget you know, if I was out making artwork yeah. this morning, I would have forgot about this uh, recording today.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you weren't doing any artwork <laughs> this morning, Ray. So were you like that as a kid? As a kid, did you do art as well?
1: I don't, you know, I don't know. I think um we had a lot of, you know, with the situation uh in, you know, around Belfast and around the border in Uri <clears throat> you know, there were so many other distractions um and so many other things happening, you know, and the sort of sometimes the political uh military situation here was very overpowering, you know. So, you mm-hmm. know, and I would actually just like to recap there one wee bit, you know, I said that in 1978 I I was taken into prison, you know, and the reason for that was was to do with the political situation here. You know, it wasn't for any sort of criminal activity, you know. Mm, 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 mm,
0: mm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking um, there's been so much research around stress uh-huh. and its impact on our brain functioning and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising that you can't remember or you don't think that you did stuff because possibly everybody who was living through those times mm-hmm. was in a major high stress situation. Yeah. So all of your focus of attention would have been on surviving as opposed to developing creative arts Mm -hmm. and what's ironic about that is in the work that you're doing now around peace and reconciliation around bringing groups together it's art that is the best tool to do it
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah oh yeah
1: Yeah. for for sure you know i mean and nobody's ever been able to quantify exactly um how art how successful art is at Changing or affecting or influencing um division or opinions or hard held beliefs, you know nobody's ever been able to really quantify it. It's more like um like everybody you know people know that its that it's good they know from their mm. own experience that somehow it's well they know it's definitely not bad that's one thing right and <laughs> so you know there's a almost instinctual motivation that people have that they know. It's it's normally a, a something positive that people get, especially young people, mm. but older people as well. And mm. um, that people get out of actually working on an art project and mm. doing something that's different and creative, you know. Mm. Mm. I think really we're, we're all creative people, you know, in some way. Everybody oh, wants God. to be creative in some way. But sorry, going ahead. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, no, because I totally agree with that. I I think there's a huge difference between creativity and Art, mm-hmm. um, in that I think absolutely everybody is creative from the way they might dress themselves, or you know, somebody might put all of the photographs on the mantelpiece in a particular mm-hmm. way that is incredibly. And my dad was a pipe fitter, what he could do with pipes was incredibly creative. Yeah, you yeah. know, how he solved problems it's all about problem solving, yeah, and looking at one thing and then thinking of 10,000 different ways that you can use uh-huh. it, like a bunch of keys. Yeah. Like a bunch of keys, for
1: instance.
0: Um, One of the questions that I ask a lot of the guests is on your journey to be who you are now. um, Who were your helpers along the way and what gifts did they give you? And who were the kind of beasts or challengers? And how did you deal with those? Did you conquer them or did you tame them?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, whenever, I'm just going to go into whenever I first started to work full time as an artist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I placed myself in a, you know, I based myself in a place called Conway Mill, which is in the West Belfast area. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a, a great community in Conway Mill and in West Belfast. And I found that community very, very supportive whenever I first um started to make artwork and have exhibitions mostly in mostly in the West Belfast area, but anywhere in Belfast and they, you know, like the press, for example, mm. uh, from West Belfast, the to town News, you regularly, you know, ran features on the work that I was making and what I was doing, and uh, I was awarded an Aisling, Aisling Award yeah. um, for cultural, um, some outstanding cultural activities or something along those <laughs> lines. And, uh, you know, th- things like that were very encouraging. But I think really the big the biggest one of the big things was in places like well, West Belfast was there was so much bad news about places like North and West Belfast that uh, to have good news stories coming out of it was um, mm. like some like, an artwork in West Belfast was uh, probably, you know, something that people wanted to hear in mm. that
0: locality yeah. and the
1: story that people in that locality wanted to tell um, you know, because they'd been very maligned by the media mm. over the years um,
0: <sighs> yeah. yeah. so
1: this this was something, you know something positive
0: yeah. so that's one thing, yeah.
1: you know, and um, the community. What you're saying there about, you know, the divided community, um, which mm-hmm. you know, West Belfast was generally a, a very homogenous community uh-huh. um, on the Irish side, and um, so the divided community did definitely. There was a period after the Good Friday Agreement where um, it was like there was a, a push to try to um, to try to sort of reduce the the sense of division and re- reduce the levels of animosity that both mm. uh, both communities felt
0: about mm. the other
1: or suspicion that they felt about the other community, yeah so it yeah. was more or less seen by semi government organizations that one way of doing this was to do you know to bring artists into areas to yeah. work where artists yeah. hadn 't really worked before, mm. so parts of West Belfast for example were known were defined by government as um as like uh urban deserts
0: okay yeah um, yeah so there
1: was there was nothing else there there was just houses and people and yeah. a lot of negative imagery mm. um you know broken phone boxes broken glass broken walls mm. broken you know mm. there was just a lot of negative stuff so they brought artists in to try to re reimage some of these communities. So that was a great thing because it gave me like a great opportunity to do, uh, to earn bread and butter money and to do yeah. some projects that were engaging communities. Yeah, that was fun. yeah.
0: I love that because you know, for me based on the work that I do around story it, it's not just we as human beings who have stories, neighbourhoods, communities, you know, cultures all have their own stories. I mean, living yeah. in Sweden, I'm definitely finding that out. Mm-hmm. And this idea that through arts, you re a community,
1: a neighbourhood. You know, I, I didn't re a place. Basically, these <laughs> these stories, this culture and this history, outside of the, the actual physical conflict that was going on, um, and cultural conflict that was going on there was also beneath it all there was another another layer with another you know with other mm. stories and um, you know like basically I used to take the very much take the opinion that you know uh conflict is destructive, and mm-hmm. art is constructive, you know and um, mm. so well you know one's a negative outlet, and the other one's a very positive outlet and so it was a matter of getting okay. into the the areas and you're you know finding the the better stories that existed as opposed to the, yeah. the, the negative stories that
0: exist yeah. <laughs> to say that sentence again, I love that sentence uh conflict is
1: well. Conflict is like destructive and art is constructive. You know? I love
0: that. I love and that. You... I'm going to have that on the t shirt.
1: Yeah, yeah. Write it down.
0: <laughs> <in>. <laughs> I will. I will. Confucius
1: from Northern Ireland once said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, that community provided you with some helpers who supported you. Um, were there any other helpers and any other gifts on your journey or any other things that you really had to kind of fight against?
1: Um well, you know the other ex- extremely useful thing that happened was um just around about the time of the Good Friday agreement, sort of both of my children were born mm-hmm. and suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly you know you're you're go from a position you know suddenly you're in a position where you have something that's really really important for the future, mm. and it's your own kids. And so it very much changes, it, well, for me, it very much changed how I viewed the world and how I felt about the world and how I wanted the world to be a better place um, mm. because I was bringing these two wee jewels up in this world. So, mm. you know, that um very much fed into sort of my sense of you know, the sort of uh, inspiration and positive vibration that I felt about a whole new future that was just falling upon me and my community. Um, So I would say that was probably one of my biggest inspirations and that, oh, that was in I, had, fact, the my my I uh-huh. had the biggest smile
0: on my face i had the biggest smile on yeah. my face bless you and your two precious jewels there those two daughters of yours mm-hmm. wonderful yep. wonderful
1: and um, mm-hmm. i tried to influence them with some sort of creativity and mm. they're now off uh, both for you know both Thinking as artists and also producing some great music at the minute, mm. both musicians. Mm. And one of them's a performance artist and a musician. So, yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: Well done. Well done, okay. sir.
1: Thank you. I'll accept that.
0: And any any beasts that you had to fight, whether it was like personal demons telling you you were never going to be an artist or...
1: Do you know, one of the what, one of the big problems in this part of the world for someone like me is, you know, it's now like 40 years ago since um, I had that prison experience, you know, but mm. uh, it casts a long shadow. Mm. Uh, and, you know, today, if I had an exhibition today, it, there would be still media who would turn up and they would want to talk about the past, you know, as opposed yeah. to what I was doing. Um, and so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is the, um, because of our divided society here, you know, very much, mm. you know, you're you're seen as like um, an Irish artist or a British artist. Um, uh-huh. So um, as the British like to say, a Catholic artist or a Protestant artist, but it's, it's about <laughs> politics, not religion. So I confront that all the time. All the time. People, yeah. Or yeah. people from the Unionist, uh, community sometimes not not all like but sometimes yeah. uh, you find this thing of you know maybe they won't buy your artwork because well mm. you know a wee bit of the history mm. Um where you know within the sort of Irish community it's actually a positive thing and, mm. and they very mm. easily buy your artwork so it puts mm. my potential artists in the north a potential audience in the north of Ireland that more or less chops it in half um, right yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that, one one thing that I continually encounter. Yeah. You know, yeah,
0: and that is this whole thing. There's one of the questions that I sometimes ask is about, you know, was your story ever narrated for you, and you felt you couldn't control. Like who you were and what you wanted to become, who you wanted to become, yep. and th- there is this real danger of people viewing us through a single narrative. Yeah, that you're, you know, you're not a unique human being with all of these experiences. You're, you know, you're a black woman, you're a black man, you're a white woman, you're a white man, you're yep. gay, you're straight, you're queer, mm-hmm. you're, and and that's the only lens that some people will use to do to. See you through and to describe you through,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes that's where people like to start, you know. I mean, I did. There was a a guy who um, wrote up a, an article for a magazine there recently, and his mm. and he he wanted to start with. So, the prison, how long are you there? And I was saying yeah. that's 40 years ago, yeah. He asked me yeah. about my artwork and what mm. I do, and if you want to mention that later on, you can. Um, but you know, mm. this is you know, people. They want to reach back to that because that somehow mm. can put you in this easy pigeonhole of, um, oh. I don't know, if it's sensational. Yeah,
0: the single narrative is a a restrictive and constrictive thing that we need to fight against for sure. Um, I want to ask you as well. Like you, you came from perhaps a background where it, it wasn't. Said that, or even perhaps thought that you're going to be this international artist working in this way. Yeah. Um. And yet you've achieved that. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, um, what advice would you give to young people who were perhaps a bit interested in art, but just thought, well, not for me. It's not for me. Not with my background. Not
1: who
0: I am. What advice would you give to young artists um, or people in general?
1: That's another hard question because I'm not sure what I would what advice I would give to them. The only thing I would say is do whatever makes you happy, you know. And yeah, um, yeah. you know, you don't if you know if you've got some sort of something compelling you towards something in your life, you don't have to do it today, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, um, in my teen in my teenage years you know, there was no basic opportunity to pursue artwork, you know, I was in four different secondary mm. schools and really academia had no big attraction to me. Um, and I just wanted to be out, running about the streets. Uh, mm. So, but, you know, with time, people come to what, you know, people have to come to their own senses and come to their own um, point where they think, you know what, this is what I want to do now. Um rather than being sort of uh, kind of wedged into something by society, mm. by parents or by anything like that, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, you know yeah. going ahead.
0: Yeah. Do you know, so many uh, of the previous guests have literally echoed that. Do follow the thing that you know gives you joy. Yep. You know, even if you can't make money out of it, keep it going in the way that you have that hobby. Keep it going. Don't let that mm-hmm. slip you slip by. Yeah. Um, yep. Do the thing that gives you joy. A little image has just come to my head. You talking about um, like not going to four different secondary school schools and not particularly thinking of yourself as an academic and running around on the streets. And and then this idea of you carving. And mm-hmm. if you're not doing something, you get a bit itchy and you, know, yeah, you okay. need to be moving around. At what point in your life did you pick up a piece of wood? and suddenly find peace and stillness in working it
1: yeah yeah um while i was at university actually you know but um you know i, I do many things besides wood sculpture wood sculpture is mm. what i started mm. with and um, mm. that's another mm. thing i very often get defined as as well wood okay but yeah <laughs> yeah basically somebody handed me a piece of bog oak which is uh about 5,000 years old, dug up out of the bog. And when he said, he give me it and he says, there's a bit of bog oak. Um, and as soon as he gave me it, I kind of knew what I was going to carve about it, but I didn't even have to think about it. It was just like it spoke yeah. to me almost, you know. Um, uh-huh. But I had uh-huh. been very influenced by, in, in one of the schools, in the school in Belfast I went to, we had an Irish teacher who used to... Um, very often sit at the top of the class and tell us stories about Irish mythology, you know. So, you know, mm. and those would be my stories now. They, those would be the stories. If I was a storyteller, that's what I'd be telling. Mm. I wouldn't be, yeah. yeah, but anyhow. Um, so you know, some of the stories that he had told me just flew through my mind as it was handed the piece of bog oak, and it was almost like this <laughs> bit of wood had been around whenever. Whatever inspired mm. stories happened, uh, yeah. and that was my starting point, and that was the first series of things I made were all based on Irish mythology, uh, mm. so yeah, and yeah, whenever I was doing them, I didn't even I didn't have a plan, I didn't have a picture, I didn't have anything, I just had stuff in my head, and uh, yeah. I just sculpted. Started making my way mm. through the stories that I knew and started sculpting images based on those stories, and they just evolved and come out themselves. Yep,
0: mm. again, I have this big smile that's going twice around my head mm-hmm. because I'm just thinking about you know, you said it, that's one of the ways you're defined, which is not yeah. the sum of yeah. you, you know, a, a person yeah. who carves wood, uh, but um, it, it's something to do with taking objects. And enabling them to have some kind of mm-hmm. voice, some kind of yeah. communication. What is perfect is you, Raimi, have just been talking about these old myths, these Irish myths. And I'm gonna do these quick fire questions now. And the first of these quickfire questions is: what was your favorite story as a child?
1: Mm. well, you know most of the stories based around the time you the Coo Holland story mm. and uh I suppose one of those is whenever Coo Holland travels uh towards Armagh to meet up with um King Connor, who is his father mm. and um oh. whenever. Well, he's not officially as his father, but you know, that's some suspect he was. But um when when he got to the location of King Connor, uh, there was a group of boys playing hurling. And um, nice. basically King Connor can hear all this ruckus going on outside and he runs out and Cú Holland is fighting with all the other hurlers, right? So King Connor pulls the two sides apart and he says, basically, what's going on here, you know? Um, one of the Arma hurlers says, this guy came and started to play with us. And uh, basically, um, he didn't ask for um, our security or something along those lines. And um, he says, okay, ask for, you know, to be granted safety from these hurlers, you know? So mm-hmm. Coo does that. And then King Connor goes away and the next thing he hears all the madness going on again. And when he goes back down again, he just pulls them apart again. And he says, what's going on? I thought we sorted this out. And Coo Holland says, yeah, I asked for their safety, but they didn't ask for, for safety from me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful what you ask and what you give.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... um Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love. I I can kind of see why you might be attracted towards that one. I'm not saying anything. Um, Uh The second um, question is not a question. I'm going to ask you to finish a sentence for me. Creating our own lived stories requires.
1: Creating our own lived
0: lived stories. You know, living the stories that we want to live. Uh What does that require? freedom freedom lovely okay third question what sustains you right now
1: um nature
0: mm, yeah i like this freedom nature and uh are there any movies or books or series documentaries that you would recommend to the listeners that have kind of made you curious or taught you something interesting that you didn't know
1: do you know, there'd be loads of <laughs> series and documentaries and films that, and I uh, get something from, you know, them all. There's a whole lot of other ones as well. They're like a, a mm. pile of nonsense, like an awful lot of stuff that comes from the USA. The action movies are just like based uh. on... Anyhow, I might go there. Um, so, <laughs> the, uh, you know, what do you call the um, artist from Mexico, the mural artist.
0: Frida, oh, not Frida Kahlo. Well, it's like, Frida Kahlo yeah.
1: that I'm thinking about. That's the name of the film. Okay. Uh, it's about Frida Kahlo's life um, and how she met the artist, the male yes. artist. The Diego. Was, was it Diego? Rivera. Yes. yes, yes. So I found that a brilliant movie. Mm. But there was many movies that I could talk about, but that was one that was excellent.
0: Yeah, I think it was, was it Penelope Cruz or Salma Hayek who played Frida Kahlo?
1: And I'm very bad Badmanians. Oh, it's so, fine. Yeah. I
0: went to um, her house when I was in Mexico, uh, which is now a museum, and it was very overwhelmingly emotional. It was uh, quite an incredible experience. Okay, so yeah. um, the last question is, what is the most important story we should be carrying right now
1: um this is quick fires <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm
0: asking them quickly you can answer them slowly
1: yeah yeah the most important story we should carry is that's a um probably um probably the 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 story that the story that we we never really hear that often you know unless you have a very particular sort of uh sort of artistic approach or something you know um and i think for me the most important story is uh the story of um oh. sort of i i live in the republic of the imagination and that <laughs> that exists all over the world. So basically, Mm. especially artists all over the world exist in that same republic. So, you know, we don't have any nationalities. Uh, We're just just people. We're brothers and sisters and artists together. And basically that story for me would uh, spill out into the rest of the world, you know, that anybody Mm. from anywhere is no different from me, you know, there's no, you know, I don't see nationality, religion or any of these mm. identifiers as being relevant to who we are as people all trying mm. to survive on this earth. Mm. That's a mm. we, you know. I like that, <laughs> the
0: republic of the imagination uh-huh. and we all have access to that. We all have the keys to get in. We We're already there.
1: We just need to yeah. realise it, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're yeah. probably already in the Republic of the Imagination. Right?
0: I think I'm there most of the time. My problem is getting back into the pub- Republic of Reality.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and making, uh, making sense of it at the moment, particularly. Mm-hmm. So that's it, Raimi. Okay. That is the end of the interview. Thank you so, so, so much mm-hmm. for agreeing to be our guest today and Unstuffing our story. And yeah. thank you so much for sharing this kind of vastness of vision that you have um, regarding creativity and arts and this idea of the republic of the imagination. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope that we can meet again soon in the real world
1: that'll do lovely there's nothing more i can say except for thank you to you too it's been a pleasure
0: (laughs) yeah yeah you're welcome and greetings to you two daughters you take care mate thanks thanks so much okay bye see you i hope you enjoyed the interview And I hope you'll follow us on our Instagram page of the same name, Unstuffing Our Story. And please, please, please uh, subscribe and leave me any messages or questions that you might have. Our next guest is a guy called Steve Killick who works in storytelling, psychology and well-being. He has a background in circus skills and clowning, and then he started to produce video films related to mental health after he trained as a clinical psychologist in Cardiff during the 1990s. So, if you want to hear more of his story, join us the next time we unstuff our stories.
1: Bye-bye for now.